Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z, the ultimate guide for real estate investors. I'm your host, Steph Boldrini. We cover everything you need to know from finding and analyzing properties to financing and managing your investments. Tune in every week for expert insights and tips so you can make your commercial real estate investing dreams come true. And in today's episode, we are covering what does a journey of raising $43 million in one year look like, how to overcome mistakes made early in your career, and what are some of the best practices that us syndicators may benefit from. We are chatting with Patrick Grimes, CEO of Invest on Main Street. We're actually splitting this interview into two episodes. Here we go. Patrick, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to have you here because you have amazing numbers. However, we're also going to talk about how it is a steady growth in real estate is not magic from one year to another. But first, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Stephanie, I'm so excited. I've enjoyed hanging out with you at various occasions here and glad that we're finally circling up to do the show together. Um, yeah, so I'm Patrick, CEO of Invest on Main Street, and we do passive investments in real estate and energy and some other assets. I come back, <laughs> come from a background of super nerd and engineering and made my way into real estate by moonlighting and then found myself up to multifamily and diversified energy funds as I diversified and became a full-time private equity firm. So this first part, this first episode, we want to discuss, last year you raised about $43 million, which is fantastic and incredible. And when I said, hey, let's do a podcast about that, the first thing you said, well, I don't want people to think that it's a get rich quick scheme or whatever it may sound from the outside because it's not. And you've been doing this for many, 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 many years. So for you to get to this point has been quite a journey with a lot of ups and downs. Why don't you share what that journey looked like so other people can understand what it normally looks like? in the real world. Right. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for resonating with that message too, because I get offers to join podcasts all the time. And a lot of them are these gurus selling packages. They want everything to sound like you woke up one day, you bought a coaching package, and then all of a sudden <laughs> you're financially free and you're frolicking through fields. And you know, I'm like, wait a minute, no. You know, I started out back in 2006 and seven, and I invested into some, uh, what I, what I was engineer, machine design, automation, and robotics, working hard, succeeding. I got some advice to get into some real estate. And I got into investments where I thought were going to double and triple my money every couple of years. And the 9-10 happened and I lost it all. I was personally guaranteed on pre-development residential and raked me over the coals really bad. But a lot of people got hit pretty hard. I think that one of the reasons why I'm successful today, I think, is because I, I failed early, failed young. And, and, and fast learned. and hard. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, my my credits took me a few years to recover, worked my way up in the corporate world and doing some really cool stuff. I, I did medical devices, solar cells, EV vehicles, automation and robotics for one of a kind things. It's pretty neat. And got a master's in engineering and business. But meanwhile, I was I knew I needed to get back into real estate. So I did it in much lower risk ways in single family bought in recession resilient markets and 
assets that just need measurable improvement to cash flow, uh, not inventing something from nothing in new development and kind of betting and hoping on pre-development, huge returns, reasonable returns for a much more moderate and recession resilient risk profile portfolio. And so that led me to a very successful path of grinding away at my career and moonlighting away at my real estate business. And, you know, ultimately it was when my wife finally came around and I realized I was not dateable and I needed to, uh, I needed to make some changes and focus on family, make choices in my future could, 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 could grow. And then I stopped doing single family and traded into larger multi and apartment buildings, partnered up as Invest on Main Street. I started that to do large syndications around the growth markets and, and diversify into other recession resilient and non-correlated assets like energy, where you can build safer portfolios. And so that's kind of what we're doing today. We've got some other stuff going on. Let's talk a little bit about why did you decide to sign on some loans back in 06 and how would you do it differently today? Well, so single family in my mind is, it's the problem, not the solution. All the gurus are saying, go, go flip some houses, wholesale some houses, buy some stuff and get an Airbnb, get a, a home rental. But what they're telling you is there's an outsized, there's a large amount of financial and legal liability associated with those because you're not buying an, a an asset that uh, you can afford. So you're buying something that you're using the bank's money and they want collateral for that. And with those single family homes, they want you as collateral and everything you own as collateral. And that, that's called cross collateralization where you're signing on that loan not only you are putting your net worth, uh, your retirement, your kids' college fund, but any other investments you have are now cross-collateralized and your net worth is at stake. And whether it's land or a single-family rental, it's all the same. Not only that, but you signed on it in your own name. Instead of an LLC, which would protect you from lawsuits or liability claims from somebody tripping and falling, because you wanted really good terms on your debt. And if you're doing that, the bank says, no, you have to do it in your own name. So somebody can also trip and fall and you're hoping maybe umbrella insurance or you know, and they won't fight you. But liability claims are a major issue. What I didn't realize at the time was that I was staking my all everything I had on these deals. And now how I do it differently, syndication allows for investors that are no longer want to slave away doing landlords, tenants, toilets, and trash that don't want to be signing on loans, putting properties in their own name where it's easily searchable, where liability claims can come take you down or a down market, a lender can come after you for the loans. And when invest into a syndication where you're a limited partner, your biggest risk is what you've invested. That means every single one of your investments are isolated, but they're not nearby you where you have to trade your time with your family, friends, and hobbies. They're in the growth markets, the best markets, landlord-friendly, tax-advantaged markets. You're purchasing LLCs that protect you from lawsuits, and you don't have to sign on the loan. The loans themselves are even collateralized by the property because the property is so low risk when you get into one, 200-unit apartment buildings. The banks love those. They don't, they don't even come after you at all. So it provides for a longer sustained retirement. But 
You've got to overcome the fear of partnering. You got to overcome that control. Most of my investors that are like doctors and into, you know, attorneys, they're used to being the expert, the know how to know everything about what they're doing and control everything. Well, you're also controlling yourself in a very dangerous waters. Whereas if you partnered up with people that have decades experience, not invest nearby you, but in better markets that are safer and recession resilient and growing, you'll actually find yourself in a much better diversified portfolio where your investments are protected from you, you're protected from them, and they're protected from each other. Yeah, um, that makes a lot of sense. I just had a call a couple of weeks ago with someone that wanted to get into self-storage. They have a company right now in marketing. And, you know, I said, this is a full-time job. You're going to have to do this, 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 and like all these 100 things and learn how to do it and have somebody be there guiding you for the first two, three deals. And at the end they said, oh, how about we partner with you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that, right. that, that might be a good idea if you want to keep, you know, running your business, uh, which was doing really well. But from an operator's perspective, we still have to sign on the loans unless they're CMBS loans, which are really tough. Are there any other loan alternatives out there? Well, so there are... Uh, in larger commercial assets, call it above million dollar loans, more likely one in 200 unit commercial properties uh, where they're stabilized, meaning that they're not empty, they're, they're cash flowing, producing income producing businesses. You can get loans with, you know, Fannie and Freddie that are non-recourse loans. Um, you can get loans with fixed interest rate to protect your risk from rising interest rates. And of course, if you do something fraudulent, then they can still come after you because even a non-recourse loan becomes recourse if you're a bad actor. But in those loans, for the passive investor, you're not signing. As an operator, I am. But right. yeah. I buy the right asset, the low enough risk asset, the assets that's better for the operator and the limited partner, then you can do that. Even bridge debt. Bridge debt's another buzzword going around. A lot of people do that. As long as you get bridge debt with interest rate caps, so you're not you're protected and you get the right kind of bridge debt, which is a non-recourse type of bridge debt where you don't have a personal guarantee. Uh, then you can also protect yourself as an operator in those assets as well. So let's move from 06 to now. What was the process of ending last year, raising that much money? And what were some of the best practices that some other syndicators may actually benefit from? So I came from high tech. So my originally when I started working, I just kept my head just like an engineer would real close to the grinding stone, getting the work done, flying all over, underwriting and, you know, in the dark and getting, punching out numbers and, you know, doing a lot of heavy lifting. It was back in 2019 or early 2020 when I was advised, Hey, look, you're doing this the hard way. You've got a network of, of investors, colleagues that you've built it. 15 year relationship with from high tech, but there's a lot of other investors out there. And until you get your name out there, until you be more vulnerable and you tell your story and you get up out of your hermit hole and out from underneath your rock, <laughs> you know, and you do this podcast with Stephanie, right? Then nobody's going to know your story. You're not going to be as relatable. People aren't going to be drawn to what you're doing. And so I wrote a book. I got a chapter in a book. 
Amazon number one bestseller. I'm happy to offer it to your listeners. I've got, I write for Forbes now. I've got a bunch of articles on investing in commercial real estate, a lot of educational stuff about the trials and tribulations I had uh, and trying to share that message because the gurus are not telling you this. And certainly your financial planners are not educating on alternative assets. And um, as I kind of went through all that and I started speaking on stages, I, I'm speaking on at MFIN on, on alternative investments coming up. I've done economics and wealth building strategy. You start to start to build, people start to relate to your story. And, you know, honestly, I would love to educate and increase the financial IQ of America and help get people into accelerated retirements that are safer and ones that leave a legacy. And people resonate with that story. And I think they've been attracted to it. We have a great platform on our website, investonmainstreet.com. And it shows, I think, in the amount of people that have come over and said, hey, look, let's take a look at what you got. I'm interested. And we're very happy with the results. And I have to say from the interactions that I had with you, not only all of this, but you are a professional. You pick up the phone, uh, even though you know it might be the weekend or New Year's Day. Um, so it's not like, oh, we're just going to do this and things are just going to come our way. You're still really hustling. And as far as I, uh, our conversation went, you're still like taking several calls throughout the days and you automated your business is like, it's, it's a business isn't, you're not just, you know, going to a conference and, you know, giving a speech here and there and writing articles once a week for Forbes. Right. Yeah, we it is a business. And I think perhaps the automation background comes into it. But I've always been a relationship guy. And I think that's why I've been successful more so than automations. I love talking to investors. I'll do everything I can get you pointed in the right direction, regardless of whether or not you're a good investor for us and we're a good investor for you. And I, I value that relationship. And so I'm still in the trenches. You know, a lot of other syndicators have passed on the, the phone duty to others. Um, and I certainly have people that, you know, people opt in for our content, people that make the first contact and, and help do appointment scheduling, but they land those meetings on my calendar. I'm happy to build those relationships and do what I can to contribute. That's awesome. We will continue this interview next week and cover a couple of different topics. I will be speaking on self-storage investing at the Women's Real Estate Investment Summit in Orlando on March 8th. The link to the conference will be under show notes. It's an amazing conference. I was there last year as a guest and I got a ton of value from it, a ton of amazing connections. And I hope I will meet a lot of you in person I'm really looking forward to that and I will see you next time.